Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Ah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman, and today I'm joined by Sup's favorite congressman, uh, Representative Eric Swalwell of California, who's here with us today to discuss his book, Endgame, Inside the Impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us again. Two weeks in of a course. row. Of course. Uh, thank you, Amanda. That was fun to celebrate yeah, uh, the fourth. And uh, hello to all the sub followers. Yeah. Uh, as I was like writing out this title, I was thinking like inside the impeachment. I was wondering if eventually your book could be like, hmm, which impeachment? <laughs> impeachment <laughs> one? Questions. Yeah. <laughs> impeachment version one. Yeah. So my first question very broadly is why did you write this book? I wanted to really write a tribute to all the heroes who came forward. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, uh, you know, clearly we need to keep recognizing his courage. Uh, Fiona Hill, Marie Ivanovich, and not just to contemporaneously recognize what they did, but also signal to others as we go, you know, to the end of this presidency that if you are seeing corruption on the inside, uh, speak up. You know, there are others who have, and they did good. Uh, And then, frankly, it's a call to action to all of us that, as you pointed out, he was impeached, but he was not removed. And if those folks can come forward and risk their livelihood, we can all risk, uh, you know, a few hours to register our friends and family and then uh, move our feet from the town squares and the town hall to the ballot box and remove them there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of, so you describe wanting to write the book in the book because of the displays of courage. You, you wrote early in the book, think of the courage it took for Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman to testify before the nation knowing what it might cost him. Uh, this week, obviously, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman retired from the military, which I think is a loss for all of us because of what his lawyer described as a campaign of bullying, intimidation, and retaliation from the White House, according to his lawyer. What was your reaction to that news? Well, I think when ex-President Trump's assets are seized, we should name one of his resorts, you know, the Vindman Resort. Um, we're going to have to do a lot to honor uh, people like Vindman, uh, the, the, the people, uh, you know, like, like Michael Atkinson, who was also fired, the Inspector uh, General for the Intelligence Community. So many people have paid a price for doing uh, the right thing. And you know, this president loves to say uh, that, you know, we need to be a country of free speech, but there's certainly a cost to speech because uh, Vindman, under subpoena, spoke up once in public uh, against the president. Uh, and paid the, you know, the cost of his uh, job. And what's so, I, I think, infuriating is that uh, Vindman's supervisor, John Bolton, uh, didn't have the courage to come forward, uh, ducked congressional subpoenas, uh, and is cashing in. You know, he, he's doing better uh, than he was uh, before. And uh, that, that's just wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My next question was going to be, speaking of books, what was your reaction? Did you read John Bolton's book? Well, we're looking at what he's alleged because right. uh, it, it we should investigate and, and look at, you know, what other corruption needs to be stopped. Uh, he titled it in the room where it happened, uh, which is funny because he was nowhere near that room. The room <laughs> where it happened is where, you know, Vinman and Hill and, and others came forward and, 
gave sworn testimony. Uh, you know, the room that John Bolton was in was, you know, you know, a writer's room, uh, not, you know, doing what I think he needed to do. So, you know, I, I don't think we should ever put him in the same category as people, you know, that came forward, but we can't ignore what he's alleging. Yeah, absolutely. So in the book, you note that the impeachment, I would, I love to read about it. It's so weird that it happened it did actually happen this year. I mean, the bulk of your investigations happened late last year, but it's wild that it happened this year. Um, your book feels like a retrospective, which it is, but like it, this, the de- in the decade that's been 2020, it feels like it happened a, a long time ago. Like I feel like I'm reflecting on something that happened a while ago, but it was pretty recent. And in the book, you note that the impeachment ramp up and timeline that the press presented didn't always match the behind the scenes trajectory. And as we know, the pace that House Democrats were taking got a lot of criticism. You wrote, the day Robert Mueller testified before Congress was the beginning of the end for Trump. And you say that you had a palpable sense things had shifted. Like I said, a lot of people thought that testimony was kind of a flop, which is mainly because of the press, um, simply because he said these extraordinary things, but he didn't necessarily say them with, I guess, the theater people wanted. I'm wondering and, if you can you know, kind of... The, Amanda, you know, the press, they have a job to do. And, yeah. you know, I respect their job. Um, and sometimes it, it does feel like, you know, they interpret witness testimony as is it tony worthy or not and robert Mueller certainly did not win a tony for you know his testimony uh, to our committee however if you listen to what he was saying or if you read the report you know he you know described uh, very concerning behavior by a president of the united states and laid out 10 crimes that he said any other person in america would be charged with so while I was getting texts, and I described this in the book, from you know, uh, TV news anchors who were saying, this guy's a dud, this is a flop, what are you guys doing? I felt you know, personally you know, really concerned by what was being described and, and what was still being withheld from us. But I saw my colleagues started to shift too. And if you looked at the number of people who came on board for impeachment, there was a breaking point. Uh, post Mueller, you started to see the numbers really tick up. And then, of course, post Zelensky call, which the call took place the day after Mueller. But once it was revealed, uh, that's when we reached, you know, that pivotal, momentous, uh, you know, day that the speaker announced an impeachment inquiry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the preparation for some of these testimonies, not just for impeachment, but for the Mueller testimony. I think a lot of people know like, I think a lot of people seem like when you ran for president, you prepare for debates. We've seen those on the West Wing. Those are fun to watch, those mock debates um, and trials. But you said that you also did those for some of these testimonies. Um, you kind of describe that process and what that looks like. It, it was like a two-front uh, preparation in, in that we're, we were preparing to know and anticipate what the witnesses would say. And, and we had, of course, a lot of areas we wanted to explore. We had absolutely uh, no... Uh, documents from the White House. So we were going off of the testimony from prior witnesses or public reporting that we had. But we also had to prepare for, you know, the the circus-like antics uh, from Republicans, you know, on on the other side, you know, that they would intimidate or go at uh, the witnesses uh, or that they would try and make a, you know, a spectacle of the proceedings uh, sorry, uh, you okay. hear our lab <laughs> in the background. Uh, feels very strong about this as well. Yeah. Um, but so we had to prepare, you know, in our mock, you know, uh, prep sessions, not only were we preparing for what the witnesses would say, we had people playing, you know, the Republicans. Uh, and they would interrupt, you know, Chairman Nat and I, and I described, you know, one hearing where 
uh, Chairman Nadler kept getting interrupted by one of our staffers. Uh, and that's, kind of, that's really uncomfortable for a staff yeah. member to like be Jim Jordan and have to yeah. interrupt, uh, you know, Jerry Nadler uh, and try and get under <laughs> his skin to see if you can yeah. you know, make him crack. And, and so, uh, but it, there, it wasn't an accident that we put on, I thought, uh, you know, a pretty good presentation of the evidence. It was practice and preparation. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. It also sounds like what it, like an immersive way to just sort of grow as a public speaker, as, I mean, I guess in a sense, you're just in every way of your job. It seems like a very immersive fast course in, in just getting better at your job. I'm wondering if you got a piece of advice during that. You, you mentioned some advice that Adam Schiff gave you that has stuck with you and that you kind of still employ in how you go about your work. Yeah, you know, Schiff was really mindful that, and this is the prosecutor's mindset, which is you're taking complex evidence, but you have, you know, you have to present it, you know, to people who don't know the case as well as you do. And it's not their job to know the case as well as you do. And so Schiff would just hammer, uh, you know, into us that we have to be, you know, simple and, and to the point and, and relatable uh, and, and not get caught up in legalese. And in preparing for Mueller, um, you know, he, he really wanted us to have Mueller tell a story uh, rather than us, you know, using acronyms or, uh, you know, callbacks to things that only we knew about. Uh, and, and I thought Schiff was so effective at the end of each day of testimony on the impeachment side when he would recount in like a seven to 10 minute closing statement what had just happened. And, and I thought, oh, wow, he, I mean, God, guy had you know, probably written all of this out and was reading from a script. And then you look down the dais and you see, actually, no, he just knows this case inside out and is able to kind of bring it back to the 30,000 foot, what does this all mean uh, level? And, and I think to the extent that we were always able to do that, um, that made it effective. Uh, again, the, whether it never connected with the Senate, although I think the biggest compliment and biggest disappointment came in, in the same person, which was Lamar Alexander, who said, you guys proved your case. Right. I think he did exactly what you've alleged, but I don't think he should be removed from office. Um, so in, in one respect, you know, we, we knew that the evidence was strong, uh, but it was frustrating that that evidence was not enough for Alexander or any Republican but Romney. Yeah. 
is your chief goal as you are sort of conceptualizing how you're going to go about that um, to earn a conviction or is it also making sure that the public record of everything that has happened is thorough and full and like no matter what the outcome that's why I think your book's important is like no matter the outcome this is all out there and this was all said and maybe even repeating some of it wasn't like especially with Mueller I think there was value in having him say all of that out loud in public even though it was already in in 400 pages so what did you have sort of twin goals there uh I, I would say um Goal, you know, three goals, mm-hmm. um, then, now, pre- uh, then, now, next. So yeah. we wanted to hold the president accountable for what he had done. We wanted to make sure that if there was corruption going on now, that by doing this investigation, it would stop it or deter or slow it down because he's right. being rung up for what he had uh, done before. And then we wanted to make sure that future presidents, the next president uh, and beyond, would understand that there is a, a standard, there is a red line, and that we checked the president, you know, when he crossed it. And we were afraid that if we did not do that, that future presidents would say, well, Donald Trump did this, 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 and you didn't impeach him for that. So how can I be, you know, impeached? And so we didn't want to lower the bar for future presidents. Um, but I, yeah. I thought one of the most effective things we did, even anticipating that the Senate would not remove uh, Donald Trump, was... Ukraine ultimately got the aid, right? This was all about the president, you know, leveraging our taxpayer dollars to have Ukraine help him in an election. And not until we started the investigation did they give Ukraine the aid. So we may not have removed him, but we actually got the right outcome as far as the corruption scheme he was running. Yeah. So in coronavirus terms, it was both a containment and mitigation strategy, (laughs) sounds like. (laughs) <laughs> Who knew that we were also yeah, yeah getting ready for a pandemic? Yeah. So something I think about a lot is that if you look at the standards that House Democrats and By the apply, way, can I just say, Amanda, that yeah. what is interesting, and you know, I wrote the book uh, and sent it to the publisher before the pandemic happened. And it uh. was delayed because of the pandemic. But had the pandemic um, happened a few weeks earlier or had we waited a few weeks later to start the impeachment, he never would have been impeached. It, uh, yeah. We would have, uh, under, I think the country would have understood that the focus would have been the, the urgent, which was the pandemic. So um, it, it was almost like, you know, he was impeached just uh, in the nick of time because then, you know, this pandemic uh, came upon us. Yeah, right. And I mean, if you look at the standards that House Democrats apply to decide to open the impeachment inquiry, we're hearing a lot of, we can't not at this point. We're constitutionally obligated and the president was impeached and acquitted, but he's continued to do things and we've continued to hear about things that he'd done that also meet those standards. Um, but uh, how many times do we impeach him? You know, I mean, I'm curious what sort of conversations might be happening that you're privy to and can share about potentially a Trump re-election with a possible, you know, Democratic Senate. I mean, if this man's elected and then has an elect, it has four years without trying to get elected again, I mean, who knows what he can do? That's right. The, the breaking point for most of us was he was, you, once he was determined to rig an upcoming election, we couldn't wait for the election to see him yeah. thrown out. Uh, he was not removed, as you said. So yes, uh, you know, kind of like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, like how many impeachments you know, can right. be written uh, in history about one president. Um, he certainly, as I would joke with our colleagues as we debated, you know, was it one or two articles or is it 
do you ring him up and it's a long CVS receipt of like, you know, everything that he's he's good for. Um, I think now knowing what the Senate will do, we just, we have to use congressional oversight. Thankfully that was preserved yesterday uh, in the Supreme court, Mm -hmm. Uh, be an ankle monitor that he needs all the way until election day. And then again, just really put pressure on ourselves to remove him at the ballot box. And he's not going to have a second term. I, I, I know who we are uh, as people and sure I'll knock on wood just for a little bit of superstition, but since he was sworn in from the women marching to the climate march, to the March for science, to the end of 2017 when Doug Jones won in Alabama, winning the midterms in 2018, winning the Kentucky governorship, winning the Virginia state house. And then just last week, Medicaid expansion in Oklahoma of all places, He's been rebuked every time, you know, people have gone to the ballot or gone to the streets. So I, I feel like we just have to stay on that, uh, you know, path uh, and keep moving to the ballot box. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what do you think awaits Donald Trump if he isn't reelected in November? Well, if we return to the independence of prosecution, uh, yeah. I, I do believe he is criminally exposed, not just for being individual yeah. one, but also for what Bob Mueller laid out. Uh, with, you know, the 10 obstruction of justice uh, crimes, also for, you know, probably um, tax issues that the Manhattan District Attorney uh, is looking at. And, you know, John Bolton in his book alleged, you know, that he was, you know, giving favors, uh, you know, to friends and and other, you know, political uh, dictators across the globe uh, that Bolton thought was also obstruction of justice. So I I think the, the best way to do this will be to, to almost have a Trump crimes commission uh, where, you know, you put you know, independent prosecutors, not politically connected to either party, you know, to look at uh, what the president uh, is alleged to have done. Uh, otherwise, it will just be seen as, you know, political retaliation. And I don't think any of us want that. And, and frankly, I think that uh, he's going to be held accountable. And it's my hope that he's not pardoned if, if he, if he, ultimately committed crimes. I think this is a different, uh, as destructive as Nixon was, I I think he is on a different order of magnitude uh, than what Nixon did. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical, too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. 
this isn't just about impeachment. It's also like part memoir. You sort of talk about how you came up in politics and also your experience during impeachment as a lawmaker with young children. I really appreciate how open you are about work-life balance, especially because it's usually something only women are asked about and certainly something women mostly only share. Um, men are presumed to be just these like workhorses who are too busy with the important work. Um, you also spearheaded an effort to uh, for the House to approve remote voting. So I'm curious if you think this pandemic will affect the future of how lawmakers do work, if at all. I hope it does. And, you know, my wife um, is the, you know, quote unquote breadwinner uh, in our house. Um, she has a, a very good job that she's worked very hard for. She started as a front desk uh overnight assistant manager uh, at a hotel and, you know, worked her way up, um, you know, in that industry. And, and so she works very hard and, and doesn't want to have to sacrifice her career, you know, to support mine. So we just, it's a shared sacrifice uh, together. And for both of us to do that, you know, I, I think, you know, we have seen that, you know, more employers need to have family friendly uh, workplace uh, environments and that that's almost been forced upon us by uh, COVID and I hope that, you know, if there is any, uh, you know, positive that comes out of, uh, you know, the post-COVID world, it's that more employers are open, you know, to, you know, remote working or teleworking because it is family friendly and it's more accommodating. And, and especially with women, uh, you know, after you've had children, uh, it allows them to not have to make that choice of staying in the workplace or leaving. And in Congress, you know, I've been pushing since I got elected to, to allow remote voting, uh, particularly in an emergency and uh, we ultimately have gotten there in that people can proxy vote and we're having remote hearings. And I think it just allows us to be as agile as people are, you know, in the private sector, in, you know, higher education, uh, in nonprofits, and we should reflect that. And, and in the book, I talked about working to help elect, uh, you know, many of the young members that have come to Congress and have disrupted, uh, you know, the Congress. And I, I do think it's because we now have over 50 members in our Democratic caucus in their 40s and under. So this is just how we kind of came up. This is how we you know, went to school. This is how we you know, worked in our first couple jobs uh, was in this fashion. And it's time that Congress embraced it, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to sort of the, the topic of um, instances of courage that didn't get as much attention, either your book is filled with them. But I'm wondering if you can just share another kind of behind the scenes one um, that really stands out to you that sort of gives a picture of, of the rest of the stuff in the book? Um, I, I want to, there's a couple. Uh, one was a colleague, Val Demings. You know, I've been privileged to work with Val and Kamala Harris, who's also um, being considered. They're both terrific. But when the Republicans stormed the skiff, I was incredibly angry because of the secure place that that is. So that's the secure compartmentalized information facility uh, that is out there. Uh, that, that allows us to meet in a secure way and no cell phones are allowed in and no cameras are inside. And when Matt Gates led dozens of them to blow past the Capitol police to protest against Adam Schiff, you know, Schiff very, uh, I think responsibly just got up and went to his office and said, I'm going to wait him out. They're not going to get the witness out of here. Um, and, and the rest of us, we don't have an office in that facility and so the Republicans are just kind of circling around, like buzzing around like vultures and all white men, entirely white men, they're holding, you know, their cell phones in this secure space. So they've essentially, you know, not just brought their own uninvited asses in, they've brought 
probably the Russians and the Chinese yeah. uh, who you know, are <laughs> on their devices. And I just sat there and looked straight ahead as they were shouting at me. And I, I just didn't want to engage because I, I knew I figured that's what they wanted. And finally, Val Demings just looks at them and she says, how are you going to look at your children and defend to them what you have done for this man? And, and it, everyone just stopped talking and listened to her. And it was just like, <laughs> it, it, it only Val yeah. could say it, you I know, with that, that police yeah. chief, uh, you know, authority. And, and also just a woman of deep, deep religious faith. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think she also invoked God, like how, how will you be judged, yeah. you know, for what you've done? And it was just like, wow, like, she is made of yeah. steel. I read that um, in the, the book, but hearing you describe it is amazing. It, it, totally was, good. it was good. Because they, anyone else, they would have just, if, if I had said it, yeah, they would have you know, gotten my face. I think Val just has this presence yeah. um, that was really effective. David Holmes was a witness that doesn't get enough attention. Do so you remember this guy? He was yeah. in the Ukrainian political, like the political officer in his apartment. And what's so amazing about David Holmes is his name was never on our radar um, until Bill Taylor, right. you know, the guy with that baseball announcer voice uh, yeah. who had said this would be crazy in a text message if we hold up aid to Ukraine. So Bill Taylor testifies in a closed door deposition thousands of miles away when that deposition is released. David Holmes is reading through what his boss testified yeah. to, and he sees that the Republicans just keep beating him up over, well, all you know about this is hearsay. You don't really know what the president thinks. You're just hearing it from others. And Holmes is like, hey, guys, like yeah. raises his hand. I actually heard the president's voice. I sat next to Ambassador Sondland in Kiev, And I could hear the president talking as loudly as we all know he talks when he's on the phone saying what's going on with the investigations. And so because Taylor had the courage to testify and Holmes had the you know uh, presence of mind to read and see what Taylor said, Holmes waved his hand and said, call me. And, and next thing you know, Holmes is testifying uh, in front of Congress. And I thought that was pretty courageous. He could have just yeah. kept his head down uh, and not said a word. Yeah, um, especially at that point, Yovanovitch had maybe already testified and yep, he knew that's absolutely right. yep. what, what might happen. Yeah. And I think, I don't know how many Republicans actually appreciated this, but I know some people were actually like convinced by the fact that Holmes had also filed not a whistleblower complaint, but had concerns about Obama era policy too, that he had flagged. Good memory. And I had had good memory, Amanda, because uh, in my questioning of Holmes, um, I, we we knew this and and we kind of kept it in our back pocket. It was public, but we just weren't going to bring it up until he was attacked. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of my last questions for him was, if he had ever received a State Department, you know, award for respectful dissent. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he mentioned that he had, and it was against the Obama administration. So this guy didn't have any, uh, you know, political axe to grind. He just, you know, speaks up when he thinks that truth should be spoken to the power. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are so many cool stories like that in the book. Again, it's called Endgame Inside the Impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Thank you so much, Representative Swalwell. Of course. Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Thank you. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. This is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at betches.com.
Betches.